All right, gang, before we get started, I have some amazing coaching announcements. Now, the first thing you know that I'm all about cycling and I'm all about fitness and I'm all about nutrition. Now, I have two amazing things that I'm launching this spring. One of them is fitness related. Now, you know, we need cycling is great for cardio, but ladies, we need to build our muscles and keep ourselves strong. Same with you guys. So go to cycle fitness.online. I have an online membership and you get on my VIP list to get amazing deals for this membership for the summer. And then I have a get your your cycling skills all in one shot in a four-hour workshop. Now go to cyclingskillspro.com. Use the, the code pedal to get $50 off this amazing four-hour workshop where you're going to get all the skills you need to really launch yourself into the cycling skis season. So take care and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Daewoo, your host, fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode. Welcome everybody to another amazing episode of Secrets in the Saddle, all things cycling with your host Sylvie Dau and I have an amazing young lady, Emily Flynn. She's, uh, well, I would say like a local hero, legend. You started in Ottawa, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And, um, and the fun thing about it is that Emily started at a very young age and she has continued her cycling career to where she is now. So I'm really excited to bring her, uh, story to our podcast because I think it's really cool having, um, you know, had, uh, a racer who started young and still on a path. So welcome, Emily, to the podcast. Thank you for having me. All right. Before, I, before you get started, I'm just going to go over a little bit of her bio, which is going to give you a background, and then we're going to dive right in. Okay. So Emily started with La Roca Mountain Bike Club, and actually, I started my mountain bike career there, too. Not that I had a big career, but I started there getting cycling skills a little later in late age, but, <laughs> but and so Dominic is an amazing woman in locally and she had a woman cycling camp, mountain bike camp that I attended like 25 years ago. Anyways, I date myself, but so the, the young age of nine, Emily, um, grass cycling and she loved it so much. She started racing at the age of 11. So I believe that's when the Sunset Series was on. Mm-hmm. Okay, first locally, then she moved to provincial and then made it nationally. She did the camps for a team Ontario and then started to train more on the roadside, which is usually a lot of mountain bikers just yeah. navigate to the road. I did too. Um, and uh, eventually turned into racing as well. While, while still she raced as mountain bike, she made a full progression to road and fully made, uh, sorry, switched to road fully after making the Canada Summer Games. Oh, we have to hear about that. Okay. And then Team Ontario in 2013. Crazy. And now, and she, now I met Emily um, at a physio clinic. She was working there. I believe that's the first time we met. I think so. Yeah. Like I think our paths had probably crossed and like we knew yeah. each other, but I think that was the first time like we met, met. Yeah. That's what we got chatting in the, <laughs> she was working there and I was, you know, just waiting for my, my, um, my treatment. And so she started racing with a very prominent team, the cyclery. 
um, in town. She raced there for five years. In 2019, she joins a professional crit team called LA Sweat. So we're going to like really dive into, you know, um, the whole story. Emily, <laughs> let's take you back to when you're nine years old. <laughs> I mean, it, my mom wanted to, you know, get me out of the house in the summer and stuff. Like she had to go to work. So she kicked me out of the house, was finding all these sports camps for me and my siblings to attend. And then one of the ones that she came across was a mountain bike camp. And it at that time was at Camp Fortune. And uh, like you mentioned, it was uh, Dominic that ran it. And I went there and I, I fell in love. Like my first bike, my first mountain bike, my first first bike was from the dump um, that my parents got me. <laughs> But um, I remember my first mountain bike for that camp. I bought it. It had no suspension, no nothing. Um, And everyone was really surprised by that. But I just, I took it and went and I loved it. And um, uh, Dom and I got along really well. She's, she's a really energetic person. And and so am I. And, and uh, I just loved that camp. And I kept going back every year. And, you know, first it was a week and then it was two weeks and it was the whole summer. And, um, and then I kind of started working there a bit. Yeah, Uh, yeah. (laughs) exactly. And, and then on, um, Dom's, uh, suggestion, she was like, you should start racing. So I just kind of started locally with the sunset series, as you mentioned, which really is a brutal course. It is. Um, (laughs) it's, it's so hard, but yeah, I started there and like, loved that. And then just kind of kept climbing the ranks and then started, my mom would just, you know, we drive basically every weekend. A lot of the mountain biking events uh, in Ontario took place more in Southern Ontario. Um, so it was a lot of driving towards the Toronto area, like every weekend. And your I actually- a mountain biker as well? Pardon me? Did your mom ride? Not really, no. She did some kind of uh, clinics and stuff with Dom and she, she tried it. And like my family kind of always biked, but- um, not to the same extent necessarily because I actually I grew up about like an hour south of Ottawa in Winchester which is oh. just cornfields like so to drive to Camp Fortune for camp was like a big deal like it was an hour an hour and a half almost yeah um but yeah like the mountains out my way were non-existent it was cornfields um hence why I eventually made more of the switch to road because again I had to drive pretty far to access any real trails um and it just kind of especially when most of the racing was happening in Southern Ontario, their winter ends a lot sooner than our winter does. And so like the first race would be March and it would still be full on winter here, but down there they'd already be riding for at least a couple of weeks on their mountain bike. Like sometimes I'd show up for my first mountain bike race of the season and it'd be my first time essentially on my mountain bike. And I was like, okay, okay, let's do this. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But yeah, definitely a lot of driving to Toronto in those days. And my mom was, was a trooper just living out of the car essentially and hotel to hotel. Uh, what about the other siblings? Did they, they jump into mountain biking as well? Yeah, so my brother's uh, quite a bit older than me actually. And I guess he kind of also uh, started this bug. He was doing downhill um, racing. Okay. And um, so a lot yeah. of the events, um, I would do the Quebec Cups just because I found um, the Quebec mountain biking scene more fun than the Ontario scene. It was more technical, which is what I kind of excel at. Um, and so he would do the, usually the downhill race was Sunday and my race would be Saturday. So it made kind of a perfect weekend. And, and my sister, who's three years younger than me, she did some mountain biking as well. And also went to Dom's camp for a bit, um, but is a little less competitive, um, than me. So she did some of the sunset series and, and, and is definitely an avid cyclist, but uh, not so much on the racing side of things. Your mom's probably like, Thank you. Oh yeah. Thank so you. much going on. So that, so, so how did you land into um, going to the provincials? Is that like just from your, your finishes? Like, yeah, um, you kind there? of just, yeah, attending different like Ontario cups. Like, like I say, I started with Quebec cups and then I kind of realized at that point, I didn't speak much French. Uh, my, my brother lived in, in Quebec, so I was able to use his address for my Quebec license. But I kind of figured if I was going to like progress in the sport, I should probably do it in my home province. Um, so then I started doing more Ontario races. And then just based off of like finishing results and stuff like that, I got invited to Team Ontario camps. And then they would take us to Canada Cups, um, often in Quebec, like in Bromont and uh, Mont St. Anne and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I would do... Um, those those camps with team ontario and and then nationals i remember i think the furthest i ended up going was to um canmore alberta for mountain bike nationals one year oh mm-hmm. that must have been cool beautiful. oh yeah 
And how does Definitely that compare? Different mountains compared to okay. here, for sure. <laughs> like real mountains. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh my. <laughs> I haven't oh, yeah. done enough training up and down Camp Fortune for this one. Mm -hmm. um, so, all right. So you're, so now you're in this, the mountain bike scene. When did you kind of, did you, were you one of those that used the road to train for mountain bike and then you just sort of transitioned straight to road and you found racing or how did you do that transition? Yeah, I think my, my coach at the time, like, I mean, I needed to train. And uh, as I mentioned, it was it was pretty inaccessible to try to always get to the trails from where I lived. So I started to train more on the road just because I could, you know, leave my front door and be on my ride. And um, and then kind of, yeah, so train on that and then maybe, you know, trying a couple races, just why not? And there was there was more races closer to me here too. Like there was Calabogie was a lot closer and there was more of a road scene in Ottawa. And there still is, I'd say um, in general than a mountain bike scene. So there was more of a community um, for the road scene I found. Um, that time though. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so I could join people on rides and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And then, I, and then for a while I kind of did both. I did like a whole season of mountain bike racing and road racing and also <laughs> cross racing. Um, uh, and I remember I was, I was exhausted actually that year cause I did full season for all three and I was on the line at cyclocross nationals in Vancouver crying because I was just so tired <laughs> and I was like I think I need to make a decision but like I remember that year too like I did I did um mountain bike nationals in St. Felicia in Quebec my mom and I stayed there and then I had made uh the team Ontario team for road actually just from a result from a race for for nationals and so we drove from St. Felicia to Lac Megantic from one oh. mountain bike nationals to the next uh, road nationals <laughs> I was there. Okay. Was that like 2013? That sounds right. Yeah, I think it was right before the accident. Yes. Uh, yes. I remember that. Then that happened. And I was like, Oh my God, like I was just there. Oh, I was there too. I was, I was coaching, um, one of the girls on my team and, um, we had to go, well, she made it to nationals and, uh, yeah, that was a rainy, nasty car. Well, for oh, you yeah. anyways, I was yeah. like, but yeah, was, that was that a long was... season. And just, I think, um, that season as well, uh, I'd, I think, yeah, cause 2013 is when I went to Canada summer games and uh, yeah, I was, so I was doing both and I ended up winning a race that made me an automatic qualifier for the road team. Um, oh, cool. I was on the short list for both road and mountain bike at the time, but then I won this race and it was like, you're, you, you're like hundred percent, you're guaranteed to go for road essentially which worked out because later that year I broke my collarbone um, at UCI Gatineau race uh, that I did with the oh, West Quebec Wheelers. Oh. Um, oh, you're racing and you're racing for them. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They kind of opened up a door for me because I was basically racing independent on the road um, unless I was at a certain camp or a certain event with Ontario, but otherwise I was independent. And then, so they kind of brought me on and invited me to do the, the Gatineau race. And then I broke my collarbone there, which was devastating i mean all my years of mountain biking i'd never broken a bone nothing and everyone thinks mountain biking is so much more dangerous but really road riding is because you're going much faster you're like on harder pavement there's more, more people, people. You. and so like first huge race i yeah break my collarbone but thankfully you know best case scenario i broke it in a time that gave me enough time to recover so i could still go to canada games which was later in august um, and I'd already made the team. Like I already want to waste that solidified my spot. So it was best case scenario really. And it, and it worked out and I still got to go. Go? Did you to, to recover in time? Yep. Yep. It was, it was really cool. And that's kind of where I first really met Jenny as well, actually. Oh, okay. Well, at the, the UCI race? At, uh, well, so I kind of knew of her around because she lived in Gatineau at the time as well. Um, but she was uh, a coach for, for Canada Summer Games for the Women for Road. Um, she, was, she was the female kind of chaperone and coach for that. And that's where I first really met her. And she was the one that was like, you need to decide between road and mountain bike and you're better at the road. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Twist my arm. Yeah, I was like, okay, Much better. I want to do what I'm better at anyways. So yeah. Okay. Ah. And then she started to coach me after that. Okay. Is that, so is that when you, when you started racing with cyclery? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Oh, okay. So she was already coaching cyclery when you met her. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, so everybody, when you're, as you're listening to this episode, you have to go and listen to the Jenny True episode. And I should have said that vice versa. Come over <laughs> and listen to Emily. Because <laughs> uh, we've been, we, I just uh, interviewed her and she, you should go check it out. Perfect you'll, you'll like hear all this. Yeah. The segue into the, all the different all, sides of the yeah, story. From, yep. so, <laughs> which is kind of cool. So now you started, um, so you spent five years there. How was that? Like, is that, that where you made most of your progress into being more of a sprinter? Yeah. Like for, for road? Um. Yeah, I, I'd say so. So the I kind of always knew I was I was more of a sprinter because um, the race I mentioned that I won uh, for Canada Summer Games qualification, I won in a sprint, and I was like, oh okay, like that's that's pretty cool. I can do this. And um, yeah, Jenny kind of took me under her wing, and 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 Jenny was a very good sprinter, and I think saw that I uh-huh. am more of a sprinter as well. And she definitely taught me taught me the ropes, and was a great coach. And then through that team was such a great group of women and it, it was like a core group of women for probably four years of the time I was there um and it was and it was lovely because Jenny and Chris her husband who also helped run it lived in Ottawa and the Ottawa Gatineau area and so did I so it was really hands-on like I could ask them for help anytime and like it was really hands-on coaching like she could see me at races as opposed to sometimes like your coaches you know off somewhere else and can't come to races and stuff like that um so it was really nice like I got you know in real time feedback and stuff. And then we all kind of, uh, learned from each other as well. Like all the different, uh, women that were on the team had many different skill sets and have gone many different places as well too. Yeah. A lot of you girls have progressed to like the track and, uh, and I, I think it shows like it was such a, like a really well run team, but just a nice environment because especially females don't stay in the sport as often, but the majority of that team is still racing, still competing. And if not, they're still active, at least in the community in cycling. And so that, that brings us to, well, to a question I know we've talked about is, you know, like, I would say like teenagers, uh, female teenagers, or girls, let's say girls in high school. <laughs> um, and the fact that there are very few, probably provincially, that are in cycling. And do you think like, I know that we've talked about a gap. Um, where can you see, like, can you see yourself being in that position, like since you've gone through that kind of, you know, that the longevity of through high school, still racing. Do you see where you could um, create interest for girls in high school to become, like, to pick up the bike? Like, even yeah, if it's like I mean, the first time? Yeah, I had, I had the benefit, like, so starting mountain biking, mountain biking was more of an individual sport. So I was kind of used to the, to the individual side and also having grown up in a cornfield, I was, I was pretty used to hanging out by myself. Um, but I think, yeah, like <laughs> literally on a farm, you're just like, yeah, by myself, there's my, my brother, my, exactly. my uh, siblings, maybe we play together. Maybe we don't. Exactly. So I was like pretty <laughs> used to like not having like teammates and stuff like that. Um, but I know like most, most teenage girls and stuff like they they thrive off the social aspect of sport and if they lose that you know they lose their interest in in the sport and so i think that's really important is having a good team and whether that be through starting a program in schools like i remember again with mountain biking a lot of the southern ontario schools had cross-country mountain bike team in in high school and i was like what are you talking about like i didn't have that and like that would have opened the doors for so many more women in my school if that had just been an option um, cause there is a, a high school mountain bike racing series, but it's mostly, not in Ottawa in, in Ontario, but it's mostly around Southern Ontario is where all the races are. Again, it kind of becomes this uh, location gap, really. The majority of the racing is, is in the Toronto area. So it, you know, it, it becomes, there's a lot of onus on people in the East to travel there all the time and stuff. But if that had been an option in our school, it would have been amazing, but it's also going to come down to a teacher that wants to help run that program and stuff like that. But that would be the start 
I think for sure is just letting people know that it's actually a possibility like that. This is a sport. It's not a mainstream sport. So you're not just going to come across it and it's not, it's not taught in, in schools, but if it's, it needs to be for people to know that it's a, it's an option and it doesn't have to be racing. It could just be being active on the bike. I like that. And, but that's the thing, eh? You always have to have somebody who's internally available to do something like that. Cause I, I actually, um, I helped my daughter's high school uh, with track and field cause nobody had, was available. And I said, well, I've done track, <laughs> I've done track and field back in high school. I, I used to be pretty good <laughs> at hurdles and, and, you know, sprinting. And so I've, you know, I remember, I remember the training cause I really like like track and field. I wasn't dragged there by, you know, like some people are like, you got to do track, you know. Um, but, and I just remember that it only, and I did cross country, cross country running as the coach um, because they didn't have anybody. And I was like, well, I did cross country as well. But then it really did come down to, you know, like volunteering. It had to be, so it, unfortunately it didn't last, but it was really cool being able to go and coach yeah kids. like I mean in high school we had a rowing team and like I say I grew up in the country so like we drove into Ottawa to go to the Ottawa rowing club and I was like why do we have a rowing team and not like a mountain bike team or like a just a biking team or a cross-country ski team but it came down to like what that teacher wanted to put like their interest into they liked rowing so they wanted to have a rowing team type thing yeah you you have to have a lead I guess and it's 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 sad that, you know, they don't open up things like that to, you know, parents who would like to do that. I mean, even if their kid wasn't involved, yeah. you know, like no, sure. my daughter didn't do cross country. I was just like, yeah, I'll, I love cross country. And I, you know, I love still love cross country running now, but, but yeah, then it was, you know, short lived, but fun. So now now you're sitting in on okay so when that because um after cyclery you moved you did okay what what stemmed your decision to go to the states because i mean i know canada can only offer so much so talk about that and how did you find this uh woman's sprint like crit team yeah like, i want to join a crit team so the, the cyclery had done a lot of, of crits um, in general. Like we, we always went out to BC Super Week, which was like 10 days of racing in, ah. in 11 days or something. And it was very, yeah, very crit heavy because crits are a lot, again, for a smaller team, like the cyclery, they were a lot more accessible because there's no, you don't need a, uh, like the feed zone. You don't need a team car. Like it's, you know, you're doing a kilometer circuit and it's pretty simple. There's also way more money in criterium racing than there seems to be in road racing. So that's also a, a factor, but I, so I'd done a lot of crits and I had seen this team, um, LA sweat at, uh, at some of the cyclery. Um, and so I'd kind of like, they always just looked like a super fun group of women. Um, always out having a good time, like big smiles, just like, but like loving each other and, and just having a great time, which is what I've ultimately always want to do is just be enjoying it. And um, the cyclery as time went on, um, started to become a little more track focused because a lot of the girls that are on the team are also part of the national track team. So it just kind of ended up being that way. And I, I myself have done some track, but it just it wasn't for me. I, I uh, didn't like it as much as some of the other girls. Um, so like, I kind of started like to be outside. Thanks. Yeah. I like being outside. Exactly. Um, and just, I mean, if I'd grown up and maybe there was one in Ottawa, it would have been more of an option to me, but again, yeah, I like being outside for sure. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of started to look at other teams and with, um, Jenny's help, like she kind of recommended this team as well. And I just, I got a contact and I applied, in 2018 and I didn't get on. Um, I had a, a former teammate now, she's kind of uh, stepped aside from LA Sweat, but Sarah Coney, who lives in Vancouver, um, is oh from- Oh my Ottawa. God, Sarah Coney. She used yeah. to be in Ottawa, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah, she lived in she Ottawa. Moved, yeah, and she moved to- Vancouver. Was it Vancouver? Yeah. yeah. Vancouver, and she had some kids. No, no kids. Okay, so this is another Sarah I'm thinking of. 
Okay, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so Sarah, so I knew Sarah from Ottawa briefly, and but mm -hmm. she was on LA Sweat, and so I kind of got in touch with her and asked about the team atmosphere and everything too, and she loved it. But that year, so yeah, I applied in 2018, I guess, like for the 2018 season, and um, I didn't get on. And then I just, I kept racing with the cyclery again for that, for 2018, and then applied again to get on for 2019 for LA Sweat and got accepted. Um, so just, you know, putting a little bit more work uh, and uh, getting Sarah's re recommendation as well to the director, Kelly, helped for sure. But um, as well, I, the cycler, I'd, I'd outgrown the cycler, like I say, uh, they were, they were doing a little more track stuff. The, the core group of girls that I'd gone through it with had changed a bit and I just, I needed to move on too. It was like a bit more of like a personal thing. Um, I, I, I had a teammate that had, had, uh, has, had passed away. Um, who was on that team and it was I yeah I guess I just I, I would have grown it but it was also a bit of like I can't I need to leave that there because that's where she was and I need to like move on too so it was like a perfect good step it was it, it was a needed step um, and it was perfect timing for that too and yeah I've loved being on LA Sweat I thought of you when I, I heard that and uh, Jenny and I we talked we chatted about it too because that was a pinnacle kind of moment in her 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 history too as uh as a coach um so what kind of criteria do you have to have to get on a crit team yeah Obviously i mean results yes uh <laughs> it was, it's, it's like any other job you apply for like i wrote a resume and i sent it to the director and um i had so yeah, I'd won a couple more like local Ontario races. I, um, there was a race I won that was down in Kitchener and I beat um, this kind of like legendary sprinter, Laura Van Gilder. I, I beat her in a sprint and that was like a big deal. And it was like super close. Like you, they had to do photo finish type thing. And that was really wow. exciting. So I think that helps solidify me getting onto LA Sweat cause like she's, she's a big name. Um, but yeah, just having a couple more years of results and just, Sometimes you have to, it's, it's, for me, it's not natural to, to brag about myself, but like in, in a resume, you kind of have to, and you have to say what you're good at and, and um, do that so that they know, cause they don't know. Um, so yeah, you gotta talk yourself up a little bit and also explain your goals and what you want and, and just your personality. Cause I know Kelly who, who runs LA Sweat is really big on, again, team atmosphere and everyone getting along and having a good time. Cause if, if you can't trust each other, you don't like each other, you're not going to race well together. And so before she accepted me on the team, we had a zoom call and just to get to know each other a little bit and like my attitude and stuff. Cause you don't want to bring someone on that might bring down the rest of the team and stuff. But yeah, so that, that was well, good. obviously results is definitely part of it, but it's just <laughs> overall attitude and stuff too. Do they only take a certain amount of girls? Yeah, um, most races you can only have a certain number entered anyways. Um, so we, we have, I think on the team this year, there's like eight. Um, we, but we have a couple, myself from Canada, the majority is from the States. Um, we have a, a girl from Australia. Um, so we are kind of from all over. Wow. Um, but yeah, there's, there's only a certain handful of people, but also in terms of resources as well. Like our sponsors are only going to be able to, to give us so much and stuff. Yeah, they have to pay for the Australian girl to come over and race. <laughs> exactly. Like <laughs> she usually wow. comes over, like stays for the summer in the states. Um, like, so I, I fly back and forth more often, but uh, yeah, Australia is a little bit further. Yeah, I'd say. So now you're on the team. Did you get to spend? Did Did you get a full season? With yeah, them? 2019. Thankfully. Oh gosh, how was yeah. that? I think I saw some articles about. <laughs> um it was incredible actually um so for the past while i've been going down to um tucson arizona for the winters to train um because i'm a bit of a wuss although this this winter i've, I've done it we're, we're sort of seeing the end of the tunnel but um yeah <laughs> so then, a swifter like everybody else like yeah i did <laughs> it. um, <laughs> i know it's almost the fomo can't keep you away like there's so much it's going true. on there it's true. Oh There's so many people on there and it is pretty neat. You can connect with people all over the world. And like, um, I, I have weekly rides with my teammates and stuff. So it's, it's a yeah. way to keep in touch as well. It's just another form of social media, really. 
Um, but yeah, so 2019, um, I was down training and then I was going to meet the team for the first time um, at the season opener in, in Alabama in March. And oh, my clock's about to go off. <laughs> Love the clock. <laughs> the old um, so then, yeah, I was flying from Tucson to Birmingham, Alabama. And I remember my flight got delayed. And then I got canceled because it was like a big, there was like a big tornado or not tornado, like snowstorm that was happening. And I was like two or three days delayed meeting my team, like, and for what would be our team camp. Like we were supposed to be at team camp cup, like a four days before this race. And I only got there the day before the race. And uh -huh. I was like, oh, hey, I'm Emily, like late to the party. And, um, I showed up, I got my bike, I got all new stuff. And the next day was our first race and we went out, we raced and I won. <laughs> and like in time, just like that. Thanks for bringing me on. <laughs> I was like, Oh, sorry, I'm late. I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Really like, here. Highly unexpected. And like, we were just racing really well together. And then it just came to the, the second last, last lap. And there was a gambler's preem. Um, so like a preem is, is a, a prize you go for and it's the first person yeah. to cross the line that lap. And so the gambler's preem is one that happens right before the finish. So it's, it's a gamble. Oh. It's like whether or not you're going to hold on to win. Yeah, yeah. Or... yeah. And so <laughs> I did the, I the gambler's preem and then I just kept going and I did the last lap by myself and, and won. And then my teammate Sarah Coney came third actually. So it was like a really good opener for LA sweat and, um, a good opener I told you she was good. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then, like I, like I say, I just set up my bike the bike the day before, and I didn't touch anything since. It's like, oh, it works. It's good. I'm not adjusting anything. It's fine. <laughs> Is this a new bike or your bike? Brand new. Brand oh, new. geez. Nice. Yeah, I was like, okay, it's good. <laughs> yes. I got like... I remember I was warming up on the course and it had that bike had like the hover specialized handlebars. They were, they, they were a little bit of a strange shape. And I was like, Oh, these are really weird. Like, I don't even know if I can like take my hand off. And then, and then I won. So I had to take both my hands off and I was like, okay. Ah. <laughs> so I riding the bike for the first time really riding. I was like, wow, this feels so weird. I can always imagine like doing the yeah I won and like and having a bit of a crash on oh no that would have been so bad I think of like you know when you go for like and then you right. just like like wobble and like fall saying, like I was able to do it because I was a fair bit ahead of everyone else I, I can't really the people that do it when it's like, like such a tight sprint and still put their hands up is impressive yeah, I always wonder about that. I'm like, oh. you never want to, you never want to lose because you celebrate too early or something. Like, yeah, <laughs> get the picture. Yeah, <laughs> So okay, so you got a really good season in, um, and I guess you spent most of the time in the states that yeah. summer, 2019. Yeah, the only racing I did in Canada was BC Super Week again, which um, Sarah and I did um, just us for LA Sweat because she already lives out there. And I was like, well, it's one of my favorite series. And so I went out there as well. And then we went back to the States after that. Yeah. I know it's canceled again this year. I oh, saw so that. So much is already getting canceled. Yes, like 2020, I, there was no season. And then we'll see 2021, knock on wood. So here's a question. How did you, like, how did you handle that, the cancellation of, like, everything? As an athlete, because like I've talked to different people and a lot of people process it differently. And how did you process that whole, like, uh, you're not leaving home kind of yeah. deal? Uh, well, thankfully I'd already, I was in Tucson when I had to fly home. I was in Tucson from February to March of 2020. So at least I got some traveling in early on. Um, but then, yeah, I had to come home because of COVID. And at first I was like, I wasn't sure I was going to come home. I didn't really see the well, just stay in the states and yeah i was like maybe it's safer to stay and, and not travel but then it started to progress you know and and actually i think my insurance um got revoked because they were basically like you have to come home and i was like okay well now i have to go home um so yeah i went home i think like about this time last year is when i flew uh, home and i did yeah. my two week quarantine and then i was kind of like i don't know what's gonna happen and i started just riding and then slowly everything got canceled and i think 
as it started dawn on me that everything was going to get canceled. Like this was a bigger deal than I think everyone originally thought. And I just kind of took, I took the attitude right away that everything's going to be canceled. And then if something wasn't like, great, that was a, that was a positive, but I just accepted it pretty early on. Whereas even some of my teammates kept holding on for races and then they get canceled and then they were disappointed again. Whereas like, I was just disappointed originally accepted <laughs> it and like moved on. And I just, I probably, it was my first summer home in years. It was ah. really nice, actually. Like I got to spend time with my boyfriend. I got to see <laughs> Ottawa in the summer. I got to see the leaves change. Like it was really nice. Oh my God. Okay. So let's talk about like that because it's funny. Cause you know, when you're an athlete, you're like constantly, I remember like the, the year, um, my club, my cycling, my team kind of, I don't know, everybody, we had a great season 2013. And then that after that season, everybody's like, oh, I'm not into, I don't want to race anymore. Some people went to other teams and I was just like, oh my God, I had like 10 years of, you know, two babies and the summer was always full with racing. I'm like, I'm like, uh, what just happened? And uh, should I rebuild a team? Or I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> I'm not going to go through that again. So what did you embrace like that you had kind of, you know, missed after being like, you know, so busy and traveling and things like that? Most of the time I'm often um, working as well as um, like racing. So like when I'm home in between races, I was working, but everything was closed because of COVID too. So I wasn't even working. Like I had all the time in the world. I know. What'd you do with it? Ellie? Yeah, I, I biked. Like, I mean, I watched a lot of Netflix at first, honestly, um, especially in like April when it was still kind of cold. But then I just started to explore more. Like I hadn't ridden here in, in quite a while like big rides so I got to do more adventure rides which is a lot of fun like some more gravel rides and and yeah just like riding with my boyfriend Cody and just kind of embracing it which was really nice and just kind of getting a large volume block in terms of training that you know I'd only usually get at the beginning of the season February March April type thing but like I was able to do volume all year so just like building my base up which is only gonna continue to help me as I continue to race and that's currently what I'm still really doing because like I say the future this summer is, is hopefully uh, it'll turn into an endurance space yes yeah, right? where did my sprint go exactly I mean thankfully I think I, I've built a little bit more to have the sprint so I think it'll always be there to some capacity uh but yeah definitely I'll have to sharpen that up before any racing actually starts yeah, yeah. or you're like now I can start it earlier <laughs> you know yeah. instead of like the 100, exactly. 100 meters to this day I'll be like start like 200 meters back and stuff. So did you start any projects? I did a lot of baking. Oh, I know everybody did baking. Everyone did. I didn't do the sourdough though, but I did a lot of like cookies and, and baking. Bread seemed a little daunting, honestly. Um, I know there's quite a trend, eh? Was trend. Like, and one of my teammates, the, the Aussie actually, she was like making all these variations of banana bread and that became her thing for, for COVID too. That's hilarious. But uh, no, I rode my bike a lot. And I also got to hang out with my mom and my sister more as well, which was really lovely. Like we went on bike rides and um, I got my sister to do her first hundred kilometers and she did, she did that in sneakers. So now I've got her a pair of shoes. Everyone was like, oh my God, get this girl a pair of clipless shoes and pedals. Know, Emily, what are you doing? I know. Well, she was too nervous. So this year I've got her clipless shoes. She's trying them on the trainer. And so like, oh, now that's good. Out, she'll be good to go. You're out but to the park nice. when she gets. Yeah, I know. It was kind of like, well, I wish I had a little bit. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. Like a blessing in disguise, I guess. Like you, I, you can only look at it. If you look at it in the negative light, it's going to be negative. If you look at it in positive light, you can make it a positive. But there was nothing I could do about it, so I might as well make the most of it. Love the attitude because I know some people are just like, oh my god, like who am I? You know, it's yeah. like your identity is so wrapped around like the person you are as the athlete. Mm -hmm. And then when it kind of almost disappears because you don't have anything to work towards, you're just like, who am I? And what do I like doing? And I haven't really thought about that. <laughs> like, because I've always had, no, you've always had those goals and to like, 
no. And like, yeah, thankfully I was still able to bike because then that would have, if I wasn't able to bike, that would have been a different story. But like, oh, yeah. there's a difference. Like, I mean, I wasn't racing, but I was still, still training and biking. So like that was still part of it. So now that you're kind of, all right, let's go back. I wanted to ask you, um, okay. So you've joined the women's LA sweat team. Now, where do you, where do you see yourself going? Like, what is your kind of personal path as an athlete and a female racer? Like, where do you, do you want to end up in Europe? Like, where's your kind of, where's your path? Where do you see yourself yeah. in five years, I guess? I mean, I think most cyclists goals uh, tend to be going towards Europe, which I think is, is, is that's like the place you go. Um, and yeah, I definitely like to race in Europe at some point. Um, I guess my goals were like a little up in the air because it always, so much of it is, is results based. And now I have one season of no results and like this season I might not have any results. Um, but to continue to race and like, I wanna, in 2019, I was kind of starting to become um, like a big, a, lar a bigger contender on the Criterium scene and so in 2020, I was hoping to continue that and be like super consistent um, and just kind of build more results and, and, and have other teams see that. I was kind of a consistent um, finisher. Um, so have I have your eye on like another team or like, you know, like, cause you know how you said like you kind of, you grew out, like you grow, yeah. like as you grow, you're, you look for bigger goals where's yeah. that kind of it's it's hard like right now um la sweat is is a great fit and and we're still growing um and kind of the the group i was brought on with in 2019 it was it was almost a whole new team at that point and so we're all growing together which is nice um and the the women's side of cycling is, is interesting because there's sometimes there's a consistent team and then like then it then it's gone it folds the next year um, LA sweat's been pretty consistent. It's been around for five years. So it's, I think also eventually I'd like to get back to more road racing, um, which would help me get to Europe in general, because there's crit racing is more of an American North American thing. Um, it doesn't happen in, in Europe as much. So if I wanted to go to Europe, I'd have to, I'd probably have to switch more back to road racing. Um, but, but yeah, these last year is a really good space for that. Mm -hmm. no exactly this year yeah so but it's, it's hard because yeah there's like seems to be women's teams popping up and folding all the time like it's it's not super consistent and again at least at least crit racing it's you can do it on on the cheap like you can go down you can yeah. rent a car you can just go do it you can do it by yourself you don't even need a team like obviously it makes the racing easier and stuff but yeah you go to a road race by yourself is pretty impractical because like who's going to feed you at the feed zone who's going to be in your follow car um yeah like do i get a follow car exactly <laughs> like <laughs> no i know because and it's funny because um i was just watching some uh flow sport women's races and there was one that i think they they were all getting ready for a race and it just moments later like this sponsor pulled out and the team was gone yeah do you know what I'm, and i was just like wow it, like it can, to be there one minute and like your your team gone the next i mean that was i was like seriously and they're just like yeah this team's not showing up today they're they're done I'm like whoa and like, i guess you pulled out from underneath you yeah like that is kind of stressful i would imagine for sure um yeah and that's why, yeah, like I give, I give Kelly so much credit who's running LA Sweat. She's put blood, sweat, and tears into this team and uh, nothing but good things to say about it. So I definitely see myself there for a while. Um, I, also, I also love the atmosphere of Kurt racing. It's, it's so different compared to road racing. It, it's, it's more of a party. It's like the NASCAR yeah. of bike racing. Yeah. Well, hopefully that kind of party comes back. Right? Exactly. That's also <laughs> what like, I'm concerned about, like, after life after COVID is obviously not going to look the same as life pre-COVID. And I'm like, I love crit racing for the atmosphere and for the crowd. So what's it going to be like if there's no crowd and no atmosphere? It's, it's not going to be. I know, it'd be kind of boring, eh? Just like, no on the streets. Yeah. Well, that's kind oh, of I'm cool. Just in circles. 
at another moment it's actually like a party <laughs> where's my party after the finish like that's what i like you know you work hard for an hour and then you get to like sit exactly. back and that's why i like i prefer crits to myself i'm just like i love the strategy i love the speed I, you know and uh that's what i was saying if i came back to racing it was it would be only like in criteriums because i'm like i know i know what a road race looks like and it wouldn't look pretty for me <laughs> <laughs> and know? it also too like depends on um like the train you're able to put in like you you can still do really well at crits and only put in so much training whereas like road racing you need to do those really large weeks and stuff and if you're having to have a full-time job as well as training it gets harder and harder to to maintain uh, that because that's serious it's it's a I, I find the fitness level for road to be much higher. Mm -hmm. You know, like you said, the volume has to be there. Cause yeah. like, oh, I mean, I can hurt for an hour and I'm okay. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, that's been awesome, Emily. I'm super, I'm super, uh, well, I'm <laughs> like, I can't wait to see where you're going. I mean, like, you're still super young. I mean, like, I, I mean, it's so funny. I, I am, but I also, because I've been doing this forever, I feel so old. <laughs> well, I mean, and well, can I ask you how old you are? I'm 27. I turned 28 this year. Okay. Yeah. So you're still in your twenties. Yeah, exactly. But like, I feel like I've been around forever, which arguably I guess I have, but, um, I also have to remember and remind myself that I still have time because the women's Peloton, there are women that are, that are up there. So, and so I know I'm like. I think of some of the ladies who are much older than me that are killing it, like say on gravel racing and mountain bike, if I ever wanted to go back there, but cyclocross, things like that. And I'm like, nah, you know what? I can handle those things as well. And I'm like, I still got time. Exactly. <laughs> but always do you, time. Yeah. Do you see your, so you're looking at your, so this is the last question. <laughs> so you're looking at your cycling career. Everybody's kind of looking at their athletic, like, sports careers i'm sure right now but where do you see like when you decide to retire who knows when that is like officially retire as being a pro cyclist um what do you see yourself doing that's a really big question uh, <laughs> i know and and because i've been doing this so long it's it's also hard to comprehend like I mean, obviously I wasn't pro at 11, but like I was living that pro lifestyle almost like still going to all the races and, and spending my summers doing it. And I've been doing that now for over half my life. Um, so it's like, it's a scary thought to think about. Uh, I'm, I'm happy. Like I have a university degree, like I did university while I was bike racing. So like I have that to fall back on. Um, and I, I currently am working with the university of Ottawa. So we'll see where that takes me as well. Um, but I honestly, like, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, it's a big, I don't see myself retiring soon. Okay. Well, I still enjoy it. I'm, and I like still know I can, I can progress. Um, but my degree is in international development. So maybe something in the, um, in, in like in a, in a charity and stuff like that. Like I've always thought world bicycle relief would be really cool. Cause it, it pairs both my passions, it pairs biking and it pairs, you know, helping others in my, in my degree. Um, but also just taking any opportunity presented to me and seeing where that goes too. You never know. Cause like, you know, with Jenny, she retired and started, you know, giving back or coaching or you see your kind of self going that route or. I could definitely like see that as well. Um, and I, and I would love to do that. It's, it's hard to think about now, but knowing what I went through and like what gaps were missing and if I could help someone or a team fulfill those gaps would be, would be great. And I, I like to organize things. Like I would, I think be a pretty good, um, like DS yeah. uh, coach. I don't know. I, I've kind of tried, I coached some, some, uh, women, uh, a couple seasons ago. Um, I myself, I need a coach. Like I'm not someone that can coach myself. So I don't know if I could coach others. Cause I feel like I'd feel bad, <laughs> but um, I think I'd be a pretty good, like, yeah, DS or like Swan Yuri even. Cause then I still get to be in the sport it would be really cool. So DS for everybody is director responsive. 
<laughs> I was just trying to like, what did DS stand for again? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like managers mm-hmm. of teams are huge. And uh, I did a fair amount of that managing my own <laughs> master. I'm like, can I be the manager and the coach and the racer? Yeah. And I'm like, some year I'm like, no, Sylvia, you can't do that. Is <laughs> it conflicting? So, well, this has been awesome, Emily. It's been a super pleasure having you on uh, the podcast. And so, I want to thank our listeners. And so, make sure that you like, comment, and share. And of course, Emily and I would love a five star review for this. And don't forget to follow her on all her social media platforms. I will put them in the comments so you can keep a, like an ear to the ground and see what she's up to. And of course, you know, hopefully the scene will change by May. <laughs> We're all like we'll crossing see. our fingers, but you know, like, and uh, you should look at the Quebec calendar. I know it's local, but no, for sure. Go and kill I mean, it. There's lots of crits on it. Yes, local racing is better than no racing. So yeah, uh, that's true. Yeah. So, so with that, thanks a lot, everybody, and thanks again, Emily. It's been a great pleasure. I always enjoy bumping into you and talking to you. That's what I've been doing over the years. Hey, Emily. Hi. We both <laughs> but, always been consistent in the same. Yeah, that's right. We're always around Preston Street. I'm not racing it. I'm always watching it. But thanks again and have yourself an amazing day, everybody. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Secrets from the Saddle podcast. Learning more about sighting people, places, and things that make cycling such an exciting sport. I am so glad you stopped by today. Please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment telling me what you think and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then... Have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.